Morning, everyone. Glad we're here today, and we are engaging with this whole theme of being in a digital world. And what does that mean for us? What does that mean for people? What does that mean for anyone? And and uh, I just want to pick up on the thread where Lee was talking this morning, just uh, advertising the engage in two weeks' time. One of the activities on that engage is called our Heart of New Community. If you've been coming along here and you haven't engaged with our vision, mission and values, we have a Heart of New Community Day kind of together where you can understand more of what we do in and around the life of new community. That's one of the activities. There'll be some people cooking for you and sharing the meal together, so it's a way of connecting with other people. If you um, haven't done that yet and you've been checking along with NCR, that's the next thing for you. So on your way out this morning, could you write your name down for that? Um, That would be great. And I can't think of a better way to actually respond to all the different things that have been happening around our world, but by using our hands and feet and all of our energy to positively engage and serve our community with love and compassion. Yeah, If there's one sign that there's a God and he's alive that we can engage with our world, that's it. So for young and old alike, if you have not been in the practice of doing an engage, do it this next one. Just as a sign to say, hey, we are positively engaging our world for God's good and we want to be part of that. If you want to know more about it, go and speak to Lee out in the foyer um, straight after our time here this morning. I loved what Tim said. Wasn't it good? Someone sharing really honestly about their life and what's been going on, what's been happening in their world and this whole idea of discovering who we are through different people's eyes. The thing... Um, I realize about our our world is that we are a digital world and we are being shaped all the time. It's a very simple question, isn't it? Who am I? If if there's one question we need to answer in life, it's this one. Who am I? Simple question, really complex equation. Um, I think it's it's a combined thing of um, uh, where I've come from. Um, who I grew up with, maybe my family of origin, the, the people I interacted with, and, and also what, what I'm doing and, and what I'm doing now and what I've done in the past. All of those things collectively seem to add to this, this solution, this, this question, who am I? All of those things combined. And whether we like it or not, there's a part of us that we get some of our confidence and our significance through what we do. And that's okay. Um, It's okay to the point that when you have a bad day, though, and things go south for you in confidence, and you don't see the world as being a good place anymore, but a bad place, then all of a sudden, those things are really, they're finite, aren't they? And and they shift and they change. And what we're wanting to do this month is is to look through the eyes of our digital world and answering this question and, and trying to impress upon us that there could be a God, that there is a God who actually wants to engage you and I in such a way that we can answer that question through his eyes and it might make the difference in our world moving from one crisis to the next, one, one time of feeling low about ourselves to feeling good, that there might be some stability. And if there's two things I've invited us to do as we've been on this digital journey, it's, it's to consider these two ideas. The first one is this, that through God's eyes, human beings are of infinite worth, but they need of great repair. Look around the world. Our world is in need of great repair. And, and the evil and the selfishness and the anger that's out there in those other places are actually real for us in our world now. I mean, they've marked us all. We've all been marked, if you like, by envy 
and greed and pride, and, and we need repairing. God thinks we're of infinite worth, but we're in need of great repair. If you're here this morning and you carry a sense of guilt, Jesus came to deal with that. If you carry with you this morning a sense of shame of what's been done to you or what perhaps you've done to others, then the power of the cross of Jesus is that actually affects that. And there's this wonderful picture that God says, I will forgive and I will break the power of sin and selfishness and death over your life about those things that define you from the past. And I want you to walk into a new beginning with me as, as a child of mine, loved and of infinite worth. That's one idea. The second idea is simply this. We discover who we are often through other people's eyes. I mean, that's true from the very beginning of our birth. When we learnt to talk, the words that came from our mouth was, Mummy, Daddy, look at me. Do you remember? Mummy, Daddy, watch me. Mummy, Daddy, watch me jump on the trampoline. Look at me write on this piece of paper. Watch me do this dance. Look at me sing. Look at me, look at me, look at me, yeah? There's this sense in every single human being, because we're relational, that we look beyond ourselves to try and seek approval in others for who we are, don't we? Look at me. Look at me. I've just done this great thing. Look at me. Stand on one leg. Look at me. Sort of make my eyes go funny. Look at me. Look at this good thing that I've done at school today. I want to show you. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. We're often looking at other people to tell us who we are. Has anyone here ever fallen into the trap of being an approval junkie? Yeah? Always needing someone else? It's like our culture lives by this motto, I need you in order for me to be me. I need your approval. I need your love. I need your like. I need your click. I need you in order for me to feel good about being me. Isn't that true? We live in a digital world, and the one particular media that we're wanting to pick up on today is not Instagram, although this is the old picture of Instagram, uh, but it's got a, a camera on it, and that for me represents the art of the selfie, the art of taking a selfie. Now, if you're here this morning, you don't know what a selfie is, simple definition is this, you taking a photo of yourself for not just yourself, but for everyone. It's you taking a photo of yourself next to someone, next to something, doing something. And then what you would do often in the selfie world is that you would post it. You go to Facebook, you do Instagram, you do wherever. It's like you're sharing images. And I looked up this week some of the most famous selfies going around right now. Here's what they are. Have you seen this selfie before? Now, if you want to be someone in the know, this is the selfie of Brad Cooper. There it is, Ellen. And you've got, who's the lady next to Ellen? What's her name again? Yeah, Meryl Streep, and then you've got, you know, so Brad at the back, and there's Julia, and there's, you know, Mr., who's someone else at the back there? Clooney, or, no, not Clooney, it's, um, space, thank you very much. See, you know, if you want to be someone of real worth, this would be the selfie to be in, right? This was at the, the Oscars, this was the Oscars, okay, this wasn't set up at all, yeah? And then it was posted around the world. And then I discovered there was another one that's one of the top sort of selfies going around out there. This is a black Macau, all right? Now, you might think this is a setup, but I read about this, and it was actually someone who was a zoologist or someone out there in the field. This monkey stole the camera and then proceeded to play around with it and took selfies, yeah? 
You know, believe it or not, this is monkeying around at its greatest, yeah? So this is a black Macau. And then if you couldn't get better than that, sorry about the humor, um, dad humor, can't help it, is that this. Now, this is a pretty cool selfie, yeah? This is taken by someone in the Royal Danish Air Force. Yeah, here I am at 25,000 feet in my jet, you know, bing. That's a bit American, isn't it? But... <laughs> Not very Danish at all. And then I thought, if you couldn't get better than this one, this one tops the whole thing. Yeah, try and beat this one, all right? Try and beat this one. There I am. NASA releases, NASA releases a astronaut selfie. Yeah, yeah, you, wanna, you think 25,000 feet's good. Yeah, I'm looking at the world, you know? So here it is, an astronaut. There it is, the ultimate selfie out in space. Just when you thought your selfie was good, someone goes and ups it. And then I was sort of Googling this week and figuring out what is it about this whole selfie craze? Since around about 2007, that has just escalated. Two-thirds of Australian women, it says, between the ages of 18 and 35 profess to doing the selfie thing. It is prolific. And this is what this guy, James Franco, I know, he's a writer, he's an actor, director, but he wrote this article for the New York Times. And this is what he wrote about the art of selfie-taking. We all have different reasons for posting them, but in the end, selfies are avatars, mini-me's that we send out to give others a sense of who we are. Look at me. 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 I'm actually turned off when I look at an account and don't see any selfies because I want to know who I'm dealing with. In our age of social networking, the selfie is the new way to look someone right in the eye and say, hello. This is me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. So I thought this week I'd try some selfies. You ready? Here we go. This is me with my glasses. You like that one? Look at me. Look at me. And then this one, this is me pointing to a ceiling fan. Ceiling fan works. Yeah. And then this one, this is me with my black jacket. This is me making coffee with my Ranchilio coffee machine. This is me getting my silver tips in because you thought they were natural. Yeah? See? That's where they come from. 45 and still black, you know? Silver tips in. There you go. Thanks, Bron, for that. It hurts. Do you know it hurts? Just messing with you. Okay, this is what James Franco goes on and says. But... A well-stocked collection of selfies seems to get attention, and attention seems to be the name of the game when it comes to social networking. In this age of too much information at a click of a button, the power to attract viewers amid the sea of things to read and watch is power indeed. It's what everyone wants, attention. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Attention is power. And if you are someone people are interested in, then the selfie provides something very powerful from the most privileged perspective possible. We live in a generation that needs, we, we actually say to ourselves, a little mantra is, I need you in order for me to be me. If you don't think this is actually real and if you don't think this is actually shaping sort of our views and our likes in the world, check this out. This is a picture of like a lot of people, if you have a cat, love doing selfies of cats. And then someone this week sent me, thank you very much for you person who sent me this. They said, here's an article from the RSPCA in England, 
And this is what the RSPCA in England says. This is reported in the Telegraph. The RSPCA has reported that 70% of more than 1,000 cats in care in Britain are black or black and white, with historically unlucky felines facing a new challenge in the photo-obsessed 21st century. What's the challenge? The selfie. Why? Because people do not like Getting photographs taken with black cats, not because they're superstitious, they suggest, it's because black cats aren't as photogenic as the tabby ones. People are saying they're non-distinct, the black ones. We want to have tabby cats. So right now there's all these little kitty cats over in England just waiting for a home because they're suggesting that the power of the selfie has been so great that what's actually shaping our likes towards what we choose is real. We live in a digital world that often says, I need you in order and for you to like me in order for me to be me. Over the past three weeks, we've been looking at a chapter from the Bible by a a person by the name of Paul, a Jewish man who had actually had a radical encounter with Jesus. He lived 2,000 years ago and he was someone who was against Christianity, he was against this person called Jesus until he had a profound revelation. Jesus appeared to him, appeared to him in a very physical way, and he had this radical conversion, and he went about the Roman Empire starting to tell people, there is a new king, and I've seen him. His name's Jesus, his God's son, and he's come back to life again. I used to kill people who followed him, and now I'm a follower myself. Why? Because I've had a radical encounter. And he's writing a letter to some people who are also Jesus' followers. And he's writing a letter to them, trying to encourage them along the way because they live in a world that's often hostile towards their beliefs. And he's writing this letter in jail. He's in jail because he dares to proclaim that there's a new king and his name's Jesus and his name's not Caesar. And And he proclaims this simple message, you can discover the creator of the universe, and know him in relationship to yourself if you place your trust in his son, Jesus. And he's wound up in jail. And as he's in jail, he says and he writes at the very beginning of his letter to other Jesus followers who are living in and around the area of Ephesus, southern modern-day Turkey. He says this, Let us bless God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the King. He has blessed us in the King in with every spirit-inspired blessing in the heavenly realm. Now, if you're here this morning and you're just trying to check out God, you're wondering if he even exists, I'm so glad you're here because you this morning will get to understand one of the most profound truths that a follower of Jesus wrestles with and and attaches to and holds dear to their life, um, and you get to discover that this morning. If you're here this morning and you follow Jesus, I want to highlight for you a couple of powerful truths that God says can shape your life in answering this question, who are you? And he says at the very beginning of his letter, I want you to understand uh, that God, when you come to know him, has given you every spirit-inspired blessing and good benefit. It's, it's not necessarily a physical remuneration. It's, it's something that's intangible, but it's very real, and it can shape your thinking and your heart and your actions and your attitudes. In fact, two weeks ago, I said, why don't you pin this truth? Yeah, And it goes like this. Two weeks ago, we learned, you are of infinite worth, more worth in God's eyes than you even care to know, loved, chosen, and adopted before the beginning of time through Jesus. 
When someone places their trust in Jesus and says, come into my life, God says, I was choosing you and I knew you before the world even began. That's how important you are to me. I said, pin that. Then last week I said, why don't you post this on your Facebook site? This other truth. That is that when you come to know Jesus because of his death and his resurrection, anyone who places their trust in him can experience this. You are forgiven, washed clean, delivered from the power of sin and death that has infected God's world. So celebrate wildly, wildly celebrate. Because if God doesn't condemn you, then who else possibly can? We talked last week about hitting the rewind tape in our heads. We've done something wrong. Something's been done to us. We hit a rewind tape. Then in those times, and Tim was talking about this today, you hit a rewind tape that says, you're no good. God doesn't love you. If, if you, other people only knew what you've done, if other people only knew what's been done to you, they wouldn't like you. God wouldn't love you. You are no good and of no worth and no value. Hit that rewind tape all the time. And this morning or last week, what we wanted to say is stop. Whenever you hear those thoughts, those condemning words, that if you know Jesus, there's this powerful promise. You are forgiven, washed clean, delivered from the power of sin and death that's infected God's good world. That is good news. Wildly worth it celebrating. And then Paul goes on. The third thing this morning, this is what we want to cover, is that he writes these things. He says, furthermore... Because we are united with Christ, someone who comes to know Jesus, he says, you're united with him. We have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, because Paul was a Jewish person, who were the first to trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus was a Jew. Jews were the first ones to believe in Jesus being the King, the Messiah. Uh, Some of them, not all of them, would bring praise and glory to God. You see, from a Jewish perspective, when Paul's writing these words, he's thinking about that great deliverance a thousand years before where this people were living in Egypt and they weren't a people. They weren't identified as Jewish people, God's chosen people, until they were liberated from the tyranny and the slavery of Pharaoh in Egypt. And in that great deliverance that Moses led, Uh, in which they were taken out from Egypt and delivered after 40 years into the promised land, there was always this idea that God would provide for them an inheritance, a, a place to dwell, a land flowing with milk and honey, a fertile place that they were going to move towards. It had been promised to them, and as God's special people, they would experience that very much in their lives. And so as a Jewish person, Paul is thinking about that. But then he writes these words. Anyone who is united with Jesus has an inheritance from God. What is that inheritance? This week I buried my grandfather. 96 years of age. Wow. (laughs) We saw it coming over the last number of months. It had been very complicated and his health deteriorated. 96 years. What a great innings. What a great man he's been in, had been in our lives. And we gave thanks and celebrated that goodness on Monday as a family. Very teary time, very hard time, but very good time. In the last few months, Pa, when he got ill, they'd take him to hospital and they'd give him sometimes morphine. The morphine would mess with him a little bit. We'd get there and we'd visit him. We'd say, hey, Pa, how you doing? And he'd look across back to the front and he'd say, they don't know what they're doing in the hospital here. <laughs> Let's do a runner. (laughs) He would. He'd say, 
take me to that other hospital. They really know what they're doing in the other hospital. We'd say, bah, you've been looked after real well here. It's okay. Or we'd come in and there'd be the food in front of him. And he'd look at the food and he'd go, I think they're trying to poison me. I said, pa, the food's not that bad here. <laughs> oh, we loved our pa. We loved him. And if you had asked him throughout his life, you know, what is it that's impacted you the most? He'd say a number of things. But one of the things that was core to his life, he'd, he would say these words, I know God. And God knows me. This last week, members of our family have been going to his unit where he lived in Reservoir and they've been moving items of furniture out. Usually an inheritance that people have might come in the form of cash, might come in the form of, of a house or might come in the form of possessions, material things. And over this past week, I guess the village where he lived has been in, inheriting his inheritance, if you like. They didn't know it. They, they didn't deserve it. It wasn't their rightfully theirs. But when someone dies, there's an inheritance that usually is passed on. And when family members go, well, you know, that won't fit in our house, you pass it on to others. People were receiving an inheritance. And it was real and it was tangible. And they didn't know it was coming, but it was a gift from them. If you had have asked my pa, was he receiving an inheritance, he would probably say whisper words like this, I'm receiving an inheritance from my creator God, the one who lived and came to earth to die for me and rise again. In fact, the last words he uttered from his mouth before he passed from this world was simply this, the Lord, my king, I'm adding that, he leadeth me. That was it. I'm trusting my life and who I am in Jesus' hands. And as a result of that, I believed if you had have asked him, he'd said, I will inherit. Now, some people think of heaven like being this disembodied place. You float around a spirit playing sort of golf 24-7. How boring would that be? In fact, when the Bible talks about an inheritance, he talks about real tangible space. This world, God says, is going to recreate a new heavens and a new earth with a new physical body. I think we'll be doing activities in that place. We don't know a whole lot about what that heaven, this new heavens and earth will be like. But I tell you this, the Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can even fathom how powerful and wonderful that inheritance will be. And God says, when you come to know me, when you place your trust in me, I want you to know that you have an inheritance and it will be eternal and it will be physical, and it will be real, and you can be secured in that. You see, when you get to 96, the family hopes that maybe four more years and you get a letter. You know this? You get a letter from the Queen. A fortnight ago, my grandfather met his king with an inheritance that will be lived out one day in a new heavens and a new earth. Wow. Then Paul goes on and he writes this. And now you Gentiles, the Gentiles, anyone who's not from Jewish origin. So if you're here this morning and you go, no, no Jewish origin in me, you're a Gentile. Everyone else, man, woman, and child. Anyone else who has heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, that is that, that God gives you an inheritance, that God can actually rescue you and forgive you from the power of sin and death that hangs over people's lives, that, that God can step into your world right now and clean you and wash you clean from guilt and shame, that you actually come to know and adopt it into God's family for eternity. That's the word saves, saves you. And when you believed in Jesus Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. 
The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him because people's lives are changed and changed for better, changed for good. (laughs) Many years ago, when my wife and I, we first got married, because we're a little poorer then, what we would do is we'd go out hunting for treasures in trash and treasure places. Anyone here do that? Do that kind of... You go hunting in bargain stores. You go looking in... I would call them junk stores, but she wouldn't. She'd use another name. And because these are priceless possessions here in these. Yeah, we just haven't unearthed them yet. And I remember going to a particular place and at the very back of an old barn, dusty barn and shed, there was this, there was this kitchen cabinet behind another one. And we kind of pulled it out and I said, you are kidding me? And she said, kidding you? No, no, this, this could be a masterpiece. Uh, and we paid 40 bucks for it. I think I probably spent $4,000 in repairing the thing, but that doesn't matter. There's, there's no angst about that at all, my wife. Um, but what we would do over the next months and, and, and probably a year by the time it was finished, we would strip layer upon layer of paint from that thing, Yeah. And then we would sand it back. And, and, and then we would actually um, varnish it. And we'd give it another coating or two. And, and then we'd do the rails and runners on them. And then we put those, those panels there. Um, and you could put stained glass window in them. And, and if you come to our house today and you walk into our kitchen, there is the kitchenette cabinet. The kitchen cabinet is there, filled with crockery and cutlery and all those different kinds of things. In its resplendent view. So you can look at that and marvel and go, wow, you guys are, what was that? We said, this was a beat up old dusty little good for nothing little thing out the back. But look at it now and it's better than it's ever been before. And I tell you this, my friends. When these words, he says, God identifies you as his own. What he means is. That it's like he looks through the junkyards of this world looking for anyone who might be vaguely interested in God and his son Jesus. And for anyone who reaches out their hand to him, it's as though he takes you, that cabinet. He says, yeah, I'll pay 40 bucks. It's paid in full. And he comes back and he places it in his own house and he starts to repair and starts to sand you and starts to work on your life. And he places his spirit in you, the spirit of change, and he begins to heal. And if we allow him, he begins to restore us. He begins to repair us because we are of infinite worth in need of repair. And he forgives and he heals and his presence is powerful. And it's by his Holy Spirit that does his work in you. Wow. Sometimes we walk through those junkyards and we'd look at a piece and we go, this is great. This will fit perfectly in our home. And there'd be a little sticker on it that would say, sold. What that means is someone else has already come into that same establishment. They've looked at that, seen the value and the worth in it, and they've gone, I want to buy this. I need to go and organize my affairs, but I'm going to put a down payment on it right now. They give a a certain percentage of the price to the owner and they come and put a sticker on it and they stamp it so that everyone else can see that this item has already been possessed. This item has already been purchased because someone else sees it of worth and value. God says, when I look around this world, 
When someone places their trust in my son Jesus, it's as though I come down and I mark them. I put my sold sticker on them. I say you have been purchased and bought and welcome into my family. I mark you with my spirit, which is a guarantee that one day you'll experience an inheritance that's profound beyond any imagination. The band's going to come up in a moment. And as they do, I wonder if Paul might say words like this. Hey, you want to take a selfie? You want to post it around and be defined by it? This is the selfie I want you to define yourself by. You have been sought by God more than you will ever know and secured for an eternal inheritance that will blow your mind. His very presence, the Spirit, secures you as his own possession so that others will marvel when they see him at work in and through you. Thanks, Luke. You know, I wonder if you're here this morning... And like Tim was talking about, you carry a negativity because of things that have happened or things that are completely out of your hands. You need to hear this truth and allow it to sink deep. I was telling a mum about the selfies this week and she said, what hope have my kids got? Well, we're going to talk about that next week. A lot of hope. But if you're here this morning and that, that kind of thinking is yours, I couldn't think of anything more powerful. That you might take your hand as you drive to work, as you stand in front of the mirror, as you've just been told you did a bad job and your world comes crashing down. You might place your hand on your heart. And even if you don't know Jesus, you might say, God, if that's really how you view me and that's what happens when someone comes to know Jesus. No, I will not believe that of who I am. I believe that I have been sought by God. More than I will ever know. Secured for an eternal inheritance that will one day blow my mind. And his very presence, his spirit secures me as his own possession. So that others will marvel as they see him at work in me. Because I will not be defined by the selfie. I will not be defined by what other people say of me. I will be defined because I choose to look in the eyes of my maker. And I'll stare at his truths and I will say, no. I've been secured by him. Secured by him. Secured by him. Where are you finding your identity this morning? Is it in how good you felt? Look at me, look at me, look at me, and it didn't work out. This morning, I reckon we're called to look up. To stop. Stop. Put the phone away for a moment. Dwell upon these things. Think differently. Act as a result of it and tell someone else. They'll see it at work in you because they go, why? How is it that you're level keel when the world's... You might even be able to say, it's the Lord, God. He leadeth me. (laughs) So Paul's writing from a jail. And I reckon if there's a selfie, and these are the words for the song coming up, he would say this, let these things define you. Selfie, click, here I am with Jesus. I reckon he's God come to flesh. I don't understand it, but click, selfie, here I am with Jesus. If he had a camera, he might say, click, here I am next to the cross. 
because he died for me here and he rose again and he forgives and he heals and he's powerful. Click, there I am. There's my selfie. And then here's another one. Click, here he is. Here's the risen Jesus and I'm standing next to him. Can you see? I'm going to post that out to the world. Click, here I am, this man Jesus. He loves and he gives. So as they sing this new song, I believe. If you're here this morning and you'd like to mouth those words, sing it out. If you'd like to listen to them, take it in. If you'd like to reflect on it, do the same. I believe. Selfies. It's how God sees you. Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. I judge and I defend and suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. again and I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe in you and I believe you rose again and I believe I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I 